0: This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's
1: Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins.
0: Hour three, starting right now, I believe, if that roar is signaling the return from break. I'm assuming. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's Chris Mack. Uh, we're going to talk about the World Series. We have the Game One matchup and odds between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. Game One this Friday, where the Rangers minus 165 favorites, D-backs plus 145. And let's start off by laying the stage. And I think a lot of people did not expect the Diamondbacks to be in this position. But if anybody should be celebrating, it's not only Diamondbacks fans, but fans of Taco Bell. Because I'm sure you've heard of this promotion, steal a base, Mm -hmm. steal a taco. Aren't the Diamondbacks one of like the best teams at stealing bases? If you love this promotion, this is the team that you want in the world series so we were just talking about people kind of sticking up their noses at certain restaurants to go on day for chris mack uh, would you stick your nose up at a free taco
1: absolutely not a free taco is a free taco i don't care where it's from it doesn't have to be a fancy food truck uh in the nice part of the city it doesn't have to be del taco it doesn't have to be chipotle give me that taco bell i'm not sure if this is really meat or not taco if it's free it's me baby it's for me. oh yeah
0: <laughs> right i'm not going to complain about it but i will say going to taco bell has very much americanized my way of thinking about mexican food Because here's what I did last night. We went to a Mexican restaurant and uh, we were kind of in a hurry. So I kind of panic ordered something, you know, when the waiter comes by and you're like, I'm not ready, but like everybody else is. So I'm just going to, you know, order some things. So my husband ordered a chalupa, which I don't know if you've ever had these at Taco Bell. They are delicious. They have this like soft, like, I don't know, like thicker shell. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like a taco, you know, with that cool shell. So I was like, oh, I'll get one of those. And then it comes out and it's like a hard shell that is completely flat. It has a bunch of beans on it. And it's nothing like the chalupa that they serve at Taco Bell. And in my, you know, mind, my suburban Taco Bell mind, I thought to myself, this isn't like the chalupa that they serve at Taco Bell when in reality, like the Mexican restaurant's probably right. Like this is probably Probably, the actual version of a chalupa. Like, are This you is like, this not a real food?
1: chalupa. Why can't you give this me what I, I want?
0: Where are the cinnamon twists? You know, like if this is real Mexican food, you would have Baja Blast in my cup right now. Uh, are you somebody who likes like authentic Mexican food or do you like the Americanized version?
1: Nothing says Mexican food like purple Mountain Dew. You're absolutely right. No, I it's love legit. green. <laughs> 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 your, your your annoyance level and me not knowing the correct color of baja blast mountain dew I mean that right there tells me all I need to know no I um so for four years as a kid we lived down in Texas and not like Dallas or Houston or even San Antonio we lived in Brownsville Texas which is way down deep in the Rio Grande Valley on the border so we would actually back in the day probably like two, three times a year, go over into Matamoros, which is the border town from Brownsville and go to like legit Mexican restaurants, this place called Garcia's, um, where you would get frog legs. Frog legs are delicious by the way. And they do taste just like chicken. Um, so I am all for legit Mexican food. I'll I'm okay with Taco Bell here and there, but legit Mexican food dominates Taco Bell.
0: See, I love the Americanized version of Mexican food. I like like Chipotle. I like Taco Bell. (laughs) I just like the standard. Like I don't want any kind of like meal that I don't know what it is. I want tacos, the standardest, most basic tacos. And I want chips and salsa. Like that's all I am asking for. If you like give me a menu and like there's all these things on it, because you always see like the entrees that are like, you know, things that you've never heard of. You're like, who orders this? Like, don't you just go get tacos when you get Mexican food? Like, I'm not going to order like I, the chile rellenos or whatever. Like, clearly so my accent good. is
1: great. He's got them chili rellenos, please. Chili um, rellenos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be the rule. If you're going to go to a legit Mexican restaurant and just order tacos, you should have to over Caucasianize everything you order. You should have to. Uh, can I get chili rellenos with a Martin Dew, do? And can <laughs> I also please have the jalapenos on the side?
0: Today's vocabulary word of the day is Caucasianize, you know, kind of like strategery, something that maybe George W. Bush would say in a press conference or the modern day version. Maybe Trump would say it. I don't know. Uh, already getting to Caucasianized things around
1: here. Very important. <laughs> We're Caucasianizing it's a wonderful thing
0: <laughs> oh man well, caucasianized i don't think i've ever heard anybody use that as a verb but congratulations there is a Thank first you. time for you everything. asked how this
1: was gonna go with me getting up this early chelsea again proof positive at times haywire
0: yeah you have caucasianized the shell um <laughs> more than my expectations and i tip my hat mm. to you sir All right. So speaking of expectations, nobody probably expected this matchup between the Dimebacks and the Rangers. Both of these teams had their low points during the season. There was a stretch during the year where Arizona felt like couldn't win a game. It felt like the Dodgers were winning all these regular season games. And meanwhile, a team that had a pretty hot start that showed some flashes of greatness you know, kind of had some lows in the season. Same could be said for the Rangers. There was a point in the year where we saw all of the injuries to their pitching rotation. Jacob DeGrom went down first. Then it was Max Scherzer. And you kind of lost hope for a team that didn't have a ton of pitching depth. But their lineup has been steady throughout the course of the season. And we've seen it in the postseason. This is a lineup that you don't want to face as a starting pitcher. Uh, if you remember the all-star game, like half the lineup was Texas Rangers. And yep. for good reason. Uh, the books like the Rangers, though, in the World Series, series odds here, Texas minus 175 to win it all. Arizona plus 145. But here's the thing when it comes to the Dimebacks. How many times are we going to underestimate a team that has pulled off some massive, massive upsets? and Mad Dog Russo learned this the hard way, you shouldn't <laughs> doubt the Diamondbacks, and you certainly shouldn't uh, hedge your career on it. So don't talk about the Diamondbacks <laughs> like that. But, Chris, like, remember after the NLCS, everybody was talking about, okay, the Phillies choked. This is on the Phillies in their bats. Well, let's flip the situation here. If you're a team that goes on the road and wins a Game 7 in probably the most hostile environment in – I don't know, probably in most of sports, don't you deserve some credit?
1: Absolutely, and the pitching deserves credit, right? For shutting down mm-hmm. the opposing offense and the starting pitching in particular. I think, you know, Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, fought especially, who I, I yeah. just remember a month ago thinking, Brandon fought. what are we doing here, Arizona? How are we piecing together the back end of this rotation with duct tape, bubble gum, and chicken wire? But who's their best starting pitcher, Ben, or at least who was their best starting pitcher in the NLCS. It was Brandon Fott. And especially when you look at the way the rotations line up in this thing, where Fott probably faces Scherzer in game three, I would think. That's the turning point in this series to me, because every postseason series, I don't care if it's – I don't care what sport we're talking about. It's not a series until somebody loses at home. So, okay, Let's talk about that proposition. Let's talk about the Rangers taking the first two games at home behind Evaldi and Montgomery, which I really believe in, despite Gallon and Kelly being good competition for those two. Evaldi's been a stud this postseason. Jordan Montgomery hasn't been far off. So let's say Texas goes to the desert up 2-0, but now they send Scherzer to the mound against Brandon Fott. Fott's got to hold the fort there, and that could be the kind of start and the kind of win that spins the momentum much like when they were down to the Phillies and the Phillies had a chance to stick a dagger in Arizona and they couldn't, that could be Texas's opportunity to stick the dagger in Arizona. I don't want to put the whole series on game three because we could say the same thing about the Rangers going on the road and winning the first two in Houston and then losing control of the series from there at home. But I do think game three is the, the biggest hinge point in this series, unless Arizona should come out and shock the world and win the first two games in Texas. I mean, if they were even to get a split Arizona in Arlington, I think they come back home feeling really good about this thing. And this has been, whether you like it or not, uh, it's been all about the, the intangibles and the emotion and everything that's worked for Arizona this year in that regard. And I think playing... As silly as it may sound, I think playing the kind of station to station baseball, stealing bases, situational hitting, all of that stuff that has worked for Arizona this year kind of lends itself to that. Like somebody scratches out a walk and then they steal second and then there's a hit and run behind them. And before you know it, you've you've pieced together a run or two and the opposition looks up and it's the fifth inning and they're down three nothing, despite the fact that their starting pitching has given them a good outing. So. Arizona could give the Rangers some headaches, despite all of the things I've just laid out. I still like the Rangers in this series because I think their starting pitching is not just better than Arizona's starting pitching. I think it's been utterly dominant in the first two spots at the top of the rotation. And I think they win this alone on Evaldi and Montgomery.
0: I think I'm not going to pick a side here because I have counted the Dimebacks out before and I've been proven wrong. So maybe I need to stop doing that. I think there are other ways to play this because if you like the Rangers, I think maybe you play them in the first five when you have those pitching matchups, they kind of go in their favor because you're right. The top two starters for the Rangers have been very, very good, but the problems start to come in the later halves of these games for the Rangers, their bullpen coming into the postseason was looked at as their Achilles heel. I still feel like it is. Aroldis Chapman is somebody who can definitely give it up. Maybe the Astros were just like his downfall, but still somebody who's getting a little bit longer in the tooth. So maybe you wait till game three, and that's when you play the Dimebacks, when they have Brandon Fodd on the mound. And here's the thing. Even if the Dimebacks are down in a 0-2 hole, I don't feel like this is a team that's just going to pack up and say, well, we're done. This team has been down so many times and counted out all season long that I feel like it's a team that can definitely uh, hang around, at least in this series. And I know that the Rangers have the bigger bats here. Like they have guys that, you know, can hit tank shots on any given at bat. Adolis Garcia has been on absolute fire, but the Dimebacks are a team that it feels to me, they have a more repeatable offense. They have so yeah. many guys that, or, you know, several guys who are good at hitting for average. And it starts with Ketel Marte set a postseason record. He has a hit in every single postseason game, 16 straight games. Uh, and then once you get those guys on base, like you said, this is a team that's very good at stealing bases and putting themselves in position that even if they don't rack up the hits, they can scratch across some runs. So I am far from counting out the backs because I have learned my lesson. Uh, <laughs> what about totals in these games? Because I think this is where it gets pretty interesting because on the ALCS, we saw a ton of overs, but both of those offenses had guys that can hit home runs you know you have jordan Alvarez, you have jose altuve who's on another planet uh and then on the rangers side Adolis garcia Corey seager hit one to like the moon last game but then the diamondbacks that series between them and the phillies was pretty much low scoring only two of the seven games exceeded a total of nine runs so do you have a feeling how this series is going to go totals wise like which which trend do you think wins out here
1: i i lean on the overside for full game totals because mm-hmm. of the issues you brought up with the Rangers pen that still exist. I, and I think much like you laid out the first five strategy of leaning on the starters, especially in games one and two, to get you the under, depending on what the number is, uh, as long as it's not too aggressively low, then yeah, I, I like first five unders. And I think I like game totals over. I wouldn't say every single night, let's see how it goes especially the, the first couple of games. Um, but that, that would be my strategy for this. First five total tonight, for instance, is four and a half. I really like the four and a half. Give me the under. If they start to get any more aggressive on the first five total, I would, I would think twice about that, especially as we move into game three and who knows what the matchups will look like for game four. Um, but that would be my strategy, as it's been really when looking at starting pitching throughout the postseason. If you've got at least one starter that you really like going up against another starter who's at least competent, and in both of these first two games, you'll have better than that. You'll have good starter against uh, great starter in in both cases. Then first five unders, I think, are the way to go.
0: Yeah. uh, As for World Series MVP, I feel like this is a market that I don't really want to bet on because it feels almost like a crapshoot. Somebody comes out of nowhere like a lot of the time like last year it was Jeremy Pena year before Jorge Soler Corey Seager Uh won it for the Dodgers uh three years ago So maybe he's mm-hmm. in the uh discussion this year But uh it just doesn't feel like an award that like if it is short odds I don't think I'm in because like I said It will be one guy that comes out of nowhere and has an amazing world series And for that reason like maybe you look further down the list But I don't know I don't think it's an awards I, market I want to bet on
1: I don't know I really like Garcia four to one and it's hard not to like Corbin Carroll after the game seven he had at plus 950 but you're right you never know who it's going to be in such a short series
0: even though Corbin Carroll is such a game changer if he stays high of the plate and he steals some of those bags he's been the face of the D-back so I would give it to him
1: all right Win up the world next of Taco, the Corbin.
0: all right we gotta get to break we'll be back
2: The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
0: And we're back. It is Thursday, October 26th. That's right. Halloween is mere days away. So we haven't had like our Halloween discussions on the show. Chris Mm -hmm. Mack is filling in for Jenks today. So Chris, uh, when it comes to Halloween, I personally am not a big scary movie person. I like the Halloween movies that are like kind of scary, but like not really. But just kind of put you in the mood for Halloween. Are you a horror movie person?
1: No, I don't mind them necessarily, but I don't really, like, I know some people that love them. Like, they just, the gorier the better. Like, give me Saw 16, and there's limbs flying all over the place. But, no, I like a good suspenseful movie. Like, and I think too many horror movies just aren't suspenseful enough. It's just blood and guts and gore. Give me, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because you get the best of both. There's a little bit of gore, but there's a whole lot of suspense. Like, when is the guy, when's Leatherface gonna jump out? gotta tell me a little bit of a story here you can't just throw spatter blood all over the camera
0: <laughs> but i don't think most movies nowadays really need that much of a plot they're like you know what we don't need a plot we just need the rock or sandra bullock and there you go <laughs> instant movie put it on netflix everybody's gonna watch it here's You're my right. take on horror movies uh i don't want a plot that feels like could happen to me if it feels like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's vampires or werewolves or something that's like so fantastical that I don't like lay in bed at night and think, oh my God, like this could happen. Like there was one I watched, I think it was Cabin in the Woods or like something to that effect. And like my mom lives out in the middle of the country and it's just like, it seemed too close to home. So I am staunchly against those type of movies. But if you have like demons or, you know, dragons or something like that, that I don't personally believe in, I will watch those.
1: That's fair. That makes a little, that, you know, that makes a good amount of sense, but that's why I prefer like the exact opposite, like, like vampires and werewolves and all that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Why am I even watching this? That would never happen in real life. Give me something like legitimately scary and, like, with a good plot, and and that's, like I said, that's the one, a good story, that's the one that gets me. Very rarely do, do I get scared by, like, the little girl with the black hair over her face crawling backwards out of the TV. Like, sorry, doesn't do it for me, because that had never happened.
0: Who I think the religious ones are, like, even more scary. Like, the ones that have, yeah. like, some kind of ties to, like, little girls or, like, priests. I don't know. Or when people dress as, like, nuns, like, scary nuns. I think that's a really scary costume.
1: You know what the best one was? It's looked at as sort of cheesy now because everybody found out, you know, after the fact that it wasn't real. But Blair Witch was the best because there was a, a brief moment in time when it first came out where everybody thought the Blair Witch Project might be real and you might actually be watching something that had some basis in truth. And there was no blood or guts or gore in the Blair Witch Project. It was just scary and suspenseful i still remember being in the theater watching that as a teenager and be like i don't know what's gonna happen next this is great
0: Mm, yeah i think that one's scary if you believe in any kind of paranormal activity which i think i go back and forth on i think i am not smart enough to think i know everything about the universe so like maybe things can exist but i personally have not had an experience with like ghosts or anything so, I don't know. Like, I also think it's kind of selfish for me to say that ghosts would choose me. Like, of all the people they could mm. haunt, like, why would they choose me? Like, I'm not, you know, high enough on myself to think I'm that important.
1: That's a good call. Yeah. But maybe... I- maybe the maybe you just happen to be there when the ghost decides like maybe they don't have control over who they haunt maybe they're just like hey i'm going to flip the haunt switch and i'm going to go back to the uh, terrestrial world now and i'm going to scare somebody and they show up and it's your house
0: damn do you think they have like bosses they're like hey man today's <laughs> schedule you have to go to this house this house and this house and you better get it done or else you're going to be put on like duty for like that yeah. really annoying lady that won't stop talking about essential oils you're gonna you're gonna have to go to her house (laughs) so like one would think if you're like existing in the like the afterlife like hopefully you don't have some kind of like nine to five job like do you think there's certain ghosts that just clock out at five and they're like nah day's over i'm not trying to win any
1: awards it's it's like uh, Beetlejuice. Or no, it's more like Monsters, Inc. You remember Monsters, Inc., where the monsters had to go into the real world and scare the kids to gather the screams because that's how the monsters uh, powered their world? That's what it is. The ghosts clock in, they punch a clock, and they get transported or teleported to some place, and they're like, oh, man, you wouldn't believe it. I had this 14-year-old girl I was supposed to scare, and all she did was lay there and watch the Taylor Swift eras tour over and over again. <laughs>
0: Uh. (gasps) the taylor swift eras tour good god like does there really need to be a movie about it like come on like don't get me started on taylor swift all right so we have promised to talk about sports betting on this show that's you know Uh, what we're doing here so we gotta clock into our jobs and let's start in the college ranks because chris you were supposed to be a guest on our show today and give us your picks from the podcast uh, that you do uh, on the Odyssey YouTube channel. its I guess it's not a podcast on the YouTube channel, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, it's on the Beck ULU podcast <laughs> that previews all of the college games, or at least the big ones. So, Chris Mack, since you're filling in, and I guess you're not really a guest, I'm going to ask you about yeah. your picks anyways. So let's all right, start. let's do it. And the big 12, I was like, big 12. Yes, there's 12 teams (laughs) still. Uh, Oklahoma laying nine and a half at Kansas. What is the play here?
1: Guess who's figuring some things out. Guess who was left for dead by a lot of us after last season, but they've got their quarterback back, and the quarterback's looking pretty good. He's a dark horse Heisman candidate. And guess who upset Texas earlier this season in the Red River rivalry? It's Oklahoma, and Brett Venables has figured something out in Oklahoma. I I wasn't counting on it. I was one of those people that left the Sooners for dead about halfway through the season last year, and I didn't think getting Dylan Gabriel back would be what they needed. It's been exactly what they've needed, and I do believe in him as a dark horse Heisman candidate. Now that that seems to have opened up a bit, Caleb Williams has fallen off the radar. Michael Penix Jr. had a less than stellar game last week. That market is, is kind of wide open, I want to say. And if you're looking for, for, for somebody a little farther down the board, I do like Gabriel. And I do like Oklahoma to start inserting themselves into the playoff conversation this week by handling Kansas nine and a half. I think they win by double digits. They've had hiccups offensively but they always seem to get it done in the end. And I do think Oklahoma covers against Kansas this weekend.
0: It looks like the market agrees with you because this line has since moved to 10. So we are seeing some money coming in on the Sooners. Next up, let's go out West Oregon, length six and a half at Utah. Uh, I believe this line opened at seven. So maybe we've seen some buyback on Utah, which I'll say this, Utah is an incredibly difficult place to play. Um, but sometimes I have questions about their offense, but I was wrong on Utah last week. Uh, I did not think that they were once again, going to have the number of Caleb Williams. So now the question is, do they have the number of Nix, or at least can they cover this spread?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I don't know if I can lean on a side here. I really don't. Um, I, I look at the total at 47 and a half and I want to lean under, but this is, This one's totally up in the air for me, honestly, because Utah has shown they, they can do whatever they need to do to win a football game. And they've done it week after week this year. I think Oregon has shown you they have a harder time getting it done in a diverse way. So I, I, I like Utah. I liked Utah at seven, Utah at six and a half coming down off that number, I think, That's still a little bit of a lean for me, but I don't know if I have a play in this one because the Pac-12, if nothing else, has been completely unpredictable this year, especially in the last three or four weeks. So it should be a great football game, and I do lean under, and I have a slight lean on Utah plus the 6.5. I kind of want to get a better feel for it as we get closer to game day and maybe take a a second and third look at it on Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. But um, Oregon-Utah is a tough one for me right now.
0: At what point does a total make you nervous? Because I think when a college game, the total is in the 40s, that's when I start to get really nervous. If it's not like pedestrian offenses. And we've seen some totals that are really low, uh, namely in Iowa games. This is not Mm -hmm. that, but Utah's defense is really good. But like totals in the 40s in college football games, it makes me nervous because it feels like even in college football, there's still some chaos to where – you could see a defensive touchdown. You could see, you know, a pick six. So I think at the end of the day, you're playing the number. Like you, I think I would lean towards the end or just because Utah's defense is so good. But yeah. 47 and a half, I think, is unplayable for me.
1: Yeah, you know, I would have said through the first four or five weeks of the season, in any game involving the Utes, I don't get scared until we get down to like 45-ish. But mm-hmm. the way they've scored the last couple of weeks Now, take it for what it's worth against Cal, who's terrible, and against USC's defense, which is also abysmal. Do you necessarily put stock in Utah's offense being able to put up 30 points against Oregon's defense, for instance? I don't. So uh, the more I talk it out, the more I think the under is a a less scary play unless this thing should continue to move and and come down. But 48-and-a-half? Oregon, Utah locked in a little bit of a defensive battle. I could see that happening. So, again, that's where my lean is. But I want to let this one continue to play out just because it's the Pac-12 and it's insanity.
0: Right. Uh, Speaking of low totals, last week, Ohio State, Penn (laughs) State, uh, not many points in that one. And this week, Ohio State gets Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Who traditionally, uh, usually a lower scoring team, not necessarily the case like this year, like they're not, you know, undefeated to the under or anything, but we have a big spread here. Ohio State laying 14 and a half. And this, again, is a very big number. And I think my first question is do you think that this is a situational spot where it's a letdown spot for Ohio State? Because I think you look at Penn State, this was like, I'm not gonna say it's their Super Bowl, but it was a huge game for Penn State. Maybe it wasn't the same, you know, level of, you know, necessity for Ohio state, but it was still a big game. Do you think this is a letdown spot for the Buckeyes?
1: Yeah, I think it could be. And you're right. Oh, there it is. There's the music. It's Wisconsin. So we have to jump around. And you have to bounce like this.
0: Not doing that. (laughs) And then
1: everybody in the press box starts to wonder if camp Randall is going to fall to pieces. Um, thank you double D for the house of pain. Um, I <laughs> you're right. Ohio State Penn State was not the Super Bowl for the Buckeyes. Their Super Bowl is still at the end of the regular season against Michigan. But anytime those three meet, it's a huge game, and with all the hype on Penn State going into that game, I understand why the Buckeyes felt like maybe they had something to prove. And I think they proved it. I think they did. Now, defensively, I think it was more about Penn State and James Franklin and and Mike Yursich, uh just not putting together a game plan that helped their young quarterback on the road. Uh, and their young quarterback not helping himself on the road. Drew Aller said it himself post game I sucked. Um, he's right. He sucked. The offense sucked. But I do take something away from the fact that Ohio State produced a little bit of offense against a really good Penn State secondary. Marvin Harrison Jr. is still Marvin Harrison Jr. He did it without um, Amika Egbuka, which I think is a big deal. So I feel a little bit better about Kyle McCord and Ohio State in that regard. I still think 14.5 is too big a number, though, going into Madison. So um, I don't know if I necessarily lean on Wisconsin plus the 14.5, but I do think Ohio State minus 14.5 is a stay away.
0: Do you ever think the sportsbooks are putting a game at a certain number to try to lure you away from a certain side? Because that's what I feel like. When they do a key number and they add the hook, it's yeah. almost like they're begging you to bet on Wisconsin. Is that ever a red flag for you?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely. Like, they're, they're, they are, is exactly as you put it, Chelsea, they are begging people to bet on Wisconsin by putting it at 14 and a half it's entirely likely Ohio state covers it's it's it it really is Ohio state could win this thing 27 to 10 and still cover by nearly a field goal and everybody who bets Ohio state minus 14 and a half gets validated in some way and everybody who bets Wisconsin they build bigger pools and bigger houses and bigger hotels in the Nevada desert that's the way this works that's why you got to look at it from both sides, which I think we've done a pretty good job of here this morning in a couple of instances, just because you don't like Ohio state minus 14 and a half necessarily doesn't mean you have to go all in on Wisconsin plus the 14 and a half.
0: You know what I wish I could bet on is college player props. The state of Tennessee has decreed that these are morally impre- like morally apprehensible. Like we can't bet on college player props for some reason. Can you guys bet on these? Have you ever done that no,
1: market? No, I'd love to. I, Offshore, I'm sure you can find them, but in the wonderful Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, it's not permitted either. Boo. Right. Like,
0: you can bet on the games, but not the specific players.
1: Like, you can buy tickets to other people's it. games and go to those games and film them, but you can't bet on individual players now.
0: Well, he's just a super fan, right? Just going to the games. Sure. he just got a camcorder. Up next, best bets. We've saved the best for last. Stick with us.
2: The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. (laughs)
1: Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM.
0: It is the final segment of the Daily Tip on a Thursday. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's Chris Mack filling in for Jenks, who's on the IL with a cracked rib. Hopefully he is back tomorrow. But until then, we will wish him um, a speedy recovery. In a few minutes, we will have our best bets of the entire slate, albeit a small one. Uh, and then coming up next on L. Daily, Kenny Ducey joins the show uh, of covers and the Action Network on what to expect from the World Series. Uh, there weren't a lot of options today, but I also don't bet on hockey. So Chris Mack, are you a, a big hockey better? I know you are a big hot- hockey fan, but do you bet on it?
1: Uh, especially as it gets later into the season. Like I'm real big on letting regular seasons get about a month deep other than football. Cause we're all addicted to football. Um, letting regular seasons get about a month deep or so. So I have enough data to go with. Um, and it worked terrifically well for me with baseball this year. Uh, once you get get past that first month, month and a half uh, in a long regular season like MLB, NBA, NHL, I think you can really use the data to your advantage a lot more, Um, and that'll be the case with hockey. But I do have one particular hockey bet tonight, um, and it's Carolina over uh, at least four goals. Let me double-check the number. Carolina, four goals or more, including OT and shootouts, is plus 130. They play the Kraken tonight. They're back home after a long road trip. So Carolina Hurricanes, four or more goals, plus 130.
0: Ooh, uh, I have drank an alcohol titled the Kraken before. It was terrible. Uh, I think what it was, was supposed it? to be like it- Captain Morgan, but it was literally called Ooh. the Kraken. I don't know if it's Ooh. still on shelves, but I remember in college, we were like, well, I don't have Captain Morgan. Well, maybe we'll try this. Uh, it was not great. And maybe it's because I drank like half of it. By myself, like maybe yeah. it's maybe I'm the problem and not the rum. Have you ever it's had me, a bad experience I, with like a certain type yeah. of alcohol where you're like, I'm never drinking that again?
1: Um, there was, yeah, gin. Uh, there was a, a party in college. It was the first college party I ever went to. So young Chris Mack is a freshman at Penn State, uh, gets invited to a party off campus with some older kids that he knows from high school who were also going to a Penn State and they had a gin and juice party. There were buckets, massive buckets, like the kind of bucket you would put a keg of beer in to keep it cold, right? You put the ice all around it and put the keg in. But they took these buckets and filled it with industrial-sized portions of gin and orange juice. And young first college party Chris was not good at limiting himself. And so the gin and juice party ended with me asleep on the couch in the middle of the living room. Okay, let's just say it. Passed out on the couch in the middle of the living room while the party raged on around me.
0: That's pretty tame, though, for college, like for, you know, drunk stories. Like, that's not the worst thing that could happen. You know, at least you weren't causing chaos. You were simply sleeping it off.
1: The the next night I woke up, in a parking lot that was night two of college at penn state with using the curb of a sidewalk as a pillow
2: yeah oh
0: no i wonder if they still do this in college because i vividly remember that we had all kinds of parties where you would have big buckets of mixed drinks like we Mm -hmm. had one that was called the green monster you had like hunch punch i don't think these are (sighs) very uh, good at limiting germs. Like I feel like the era no, of COVID oh, no. may have wiped these off. Uh, or do you think yeah. college kids could still do this?
1: No, I think college kids in general are probably smarter and more responsible than they were back in our day.
0: So lame.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so lame. losers, losers. Why don't you? Why don't you contract some communicable diseases and binge drink more often, losers? Eh.
0: Right. Now I see like 22 year old girls that are like, I just drank nine glasses of water a day and I just had my kale smoothie. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I had a single sip of water in four years of college. I, like, get I was like, water? I,
1: I go, go don't to need orange that. theory and then I go to the library and I study. Boring <laughs> losers.
0: I know everybody is so dialed in now. Like, I feel like kids at a younger age are like figuring it out. Like, when it comes to their appearance, when it comes to their life choices, none of us had anything figured out until, like, age, like, 30, or at least for me. I was a late bloomer.
1: I I, I wore the same pair of jeans for four years, I think, and I don't know how often I washed them.
0: (laughs) You were wandering around in your jeans that haven't been washed in three weeks. A callback to the very first segment of the show when we had Morning Brain. Well, do we still have Morning Brain, or have we figured out – some good bets to put our money on. So now, Chris Mack, who's filling in for Jenks today, we do our best bets of the entire slate.
2: Time to place your bets.
0: All right, what we do here is we give our number one best bet for the whole slate of betting action today, and we call it our best bets. Since you are guest hosting today, you get to lead off, my friend. Who do you Thank like you. today?
1: Uh as much as we've talked it out, as much as we've gone back and forth on what these quarterbacks may give us tonight, and you made a great point about the totals in primetime games, in particular Thursday night games, because it's a short week. I do think we're going to see Tampa and Buffalo go over the 43. Um, I just feel like with Josh Allen leaning on other targets it might actually help him be more risk averse. Follow me here. Tampa loves to blitz. Uh, I want to say second or third in the league in blitz rate, close to 40%. And Josh Allen's quarterback rating against the blitz is up over 110, I believe it is. Baker Mayfield, I think, will probably, that's a big question with Baker Mayfield, be a little more careful with the football than he was in crucial moments last week. And when Baker doesn't turn it over, Tampa wins more often than not this year. So give me both of these teams to score somewhere in the mid-20s. I think Buffalo probably pulls it out late. That's why the number is also a little long for me, but I'm not going to play the number. I'm not going to play a side. Give me the bucks and the bills to go over 43 tonight on Thursday Night Football.
0: Well, also it's a really low total too. So I think at exactly. the end of the day, you are playing a number and this is a pretty low one uh, for two teams that defensively have had some, uh, some cracks uh, in yeah. the foundation, especially when it comes to Buffalo, giving up that 29 points to uh, the new England Patriots. All right. So for me, I'm going to go up with a player prop in Thursday night football. I'm going to look to the Buffalo bills, tight end. Dalton Kincaid, in the absence of Dawson Knox, the Bills like to rely heavily on tight ends. And here's the thing: Dalton Kincaid will get some of the targets one would assume that Dawson Knox normally gets. And when Dalton Kincaid gets some extra targets, he usually delivers. Last game uh, had a season high eight targets, and he delivered. Had 75 yards receiving. So when you have a line of 37 and a half receiving yards for Dalton Kincaid. I think you look towards the over here. Plus, I think it's going to be a pass-heavy night for the Buffalo Bills. The Bucks are pretty solid at stopping the run. So I think you beat them through the air. And also the Bills in general are more of a passing style offense. So I think everybody eats, and especially Dalton Kincaid. I think he goes over his receiving prop of 37.5 receiving yards for minus 125. Now it's time to bring in the third member of our Best Bets crew.
2: Let us gaze upon the glorious magic 8-Ball. Shall it fade or tail these noble betters?
0: (laughs) All right, 8-Ball, we're tight on time, so you're going to have to do this quick. All right, over in Thursday Night Football, over 43, Tampa Bay Buffalo. 8-Ball says it is decidedly so. So we're one for one. How about Don Kincaid, over 37.5 receiving yards from 125. 1.25. A-Ball says, Outlook, not so good. Great. Ooh. grand, Wonderful. Nice having you, A-Ball. All right. So that's that. Uh, how about the BetQL uh, five-star play of the day? If you want something from our partners at BetQL, uh, you can download the app as well for insight analysis, historical trends, and more five-star best bets. Just download the BetQL app. They like Gabe Davis over two and a half receptions, and Columbus and Montreal under six and a half goals. And it says in parentheses NHL. So shout out to Bill for specifying in case <laughs> I didn't know that those were two NFL or NHL teams. Thank you, Bill. I did know that. Uh, let's bring in a very knowledgeable cat. His name is Eddie grass. He is a host on Back UL Daily. Joins us uh, a couple times a week usually. So Ed, what's coming up on the show later today?
2: We have a jam-packed show. When don't we have a jam-packed show? But this one especially is important. Ian McMillan from BetSided. We'll talk about NFL Week 8. Kenny Ducey is going to talk about the World Series. We've got our own World Series bets that we're going to share. Also a preview of Thursday Night Football. And Let's Be Sharper this week is on red zone offenses. It's not as simple as saying, all right, most touchdowns for a red zone offense. That's the best one. No, there are specific things we should be looking for as far as offense that can score more points i will talk about what to look for there
1: what's ed's better uh more favorite time of the betting year is it the fall better now that favorite? we've got all better more favorite i'm out of words <laughs> it's been three hours chelsea <laughs>
2: is it fall job, now Chris. that we've got
1: the world series <laughs> college and pro football nba nhl or is it the spring when we've got college basketball and march madness more better ed for you
2: better betters, right here right now this is my favorite time of the year the leaves are changing the weather's finally getting cooler in los angeles this is the time of year i love the most baseball betting's great football's fantastic and we can look ahead to hockey chelsea and basketball it's a fun time
0: oh poor ed you know braving the elements in the la weather oh the weather's starting to get cooler poor ed you know sticking it out
2: Right?
1: Yeah. real team player. all right he is... i am
0: all right thanks for stopping by ed we appreciate you and for the listeners you can catch him up next on betql daily ed thanks for stopping by and he's gone he's see gone. ya <laughs> i guess i guess that's the end of that all right so it's been a great show we want to it was more better it's max It was more better. It was my more better favoritist show uh, with a guest host. Uh, Chris Mack did an excellent job. We will see everybody back bright and early, 6 a.m. in the East on the Daily Tip. For all of us here on the show, best of luck with all of your bets. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app.